lot of people's future is not what it's supposed to be. And if you would go back and look at what were they saying yesterday, well, I'm just probably not going to make it. Well, it's never going to work out. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to go broke. Well, I'll probably be the first one to get sick. And then the future arrives and all those things happen. And are like, well, why is God doing this to me? Well, what were you saying yesterday? What were you saying 20 years ago? What were you saying 40 years ago? Uh, and so, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, your confession. Of course, we don't want to be the confession police, right? I don't want to be, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I'm, I'm, not your, I'm not your confession police. But uh, if, if you don't like where you're at today, start today and declare with your words of faith where you're going to be. Uh, and, and um, you know, I remember uh, with... Uh, uh, listen to Brother Hagen back when cassette tapes were a thing, and um, <clears throat> he was talking about love, and, and that was really one of his defining uh, attributes of his ministry was his walk in love. You know, more than, you know, he had seven or eight major visions with the Lord Jesus appeared to him, you know, in person and talked to him for, at length uh, all those times. And, um, you know, he wrote books and sold uh, probably 100 million copies of his books over the years. Uh, and... Um, <clears throat> Uh, but his walk of love was, was I think, was uh, what allowed him to be the person that he became. Uh, and he said, uh, one time I was listening to a tape, he said, you know, I never have any ill thoughts or any ill will against anyone. Never. Uh, and, you know, and I always kind of jokingly say that I had an ill will and thought about him for saying that, right? Because who does that? Who can live that way, right? Because uh, that's not the way I was raised. Were you raised that way? I was raised, if you do something to me, you're on the list till forever. And then once you're on the list... There's no getting off, right? You know, and so, you know, and just, you know, you just cut you off. And, and, and he said, I never have any will, any will. And, and I didn't know how to live that way. I didn't know how to be that way. I didn't know how, I didn't even know that was an option, right? I just thought, you know, as a normal human being, you do wrong to me and you're on the list. And, and, and so, but I remember I pointed at that cassette tape. I pointed at that and said, Lord, someday I'm going to be that way. And I started on that day, Lord, I'm not going to have any will towards anyone. And one of the things that I just confess over my own life on a regular basis is, is no one has ever done anything to me. And, of course, you've heard anybody have heard my stories, right, some of the stories when I was with my pastor in his church, you know, all the insane things that they did to me, right? But, uh, and, and those are real, and they did occur, so I'm not saying they didn't happen. I'm saying I'm going to live as if they never did happen. And, and they don't. You know, I don't sit at home and cry about all the things that happened to me. And, uh, but I declare, you know, I, I live as if nobody's ever done anything to me. And then I, I add to that, nobody owes me anything. Uh, and so, and I live that way. Nobody owes me anything. Doesn't matter what I do for them. Doesn't matter how, uh, how good I am to them. They don't owe me anything. You know, I give because I choose to give, you know, whether it's part of my life or my, or my finances or even in the ministry. Amen. You know, as a pastor, uh, I never think, well, you know, I'm such a great minister. How come they don't do more for me? Uh, that, you know, that thought never crosses my mind, right? I never think, you know, uh, if you all do something for me, well, why didn't they do more? You know, that, that's, just, uh, um, that's just bad ha- waiting to happen right there, right? So nobody owes me anything, amen? Because uh, Paul said, if I don't preach, you know, that uh, he, he's in big trouble, right? Uh, and that's paraphrasing what he said. But, uh, uh, and of course, uh, uh, Jeremiah said that it's like fire shut up in his bones if he doesn't speak. Uh, because, you know, if I don't do my job, I have to answer to the Lord, right? I'm not going to not do my job to pressure you all to do more for me. That would be just kind of crazy talk right there, right? Uh, so nobody's ever done anything to me, and nobody owes me anything. And, and I just li- I choose to live that way. And it's a great way to live, right? Because uh, I don't have to think about what you did to me yesterday. I don't, think I, have to be, I don't have to think about what you didn't do for me yesterday. I don't have to think about that at all, you know. Well, I did for them. How come they haven't done for me? I, those thoughts never crossed my mind, right? And, and, 
unless I'm preaching about it, the thoughts of what those folks did to me in that church for those 20 years never crosses my mind. Now, I know, you know, uh, anybody ever been hurt because of a church? I mean, you know, it, it happens all the time, right? And that's one of my desires is, is to bring people into our church that have been hurt by other churches. You know, sometimes a pastor is unkind to you. And now, of course, you know, there are two sides to every story, right? So I'd have to hear, you know, I, I think it'd be helpful sometimes to hear the other side of the story, right? Because some, peop- some people are just, uh, just unkind in a church, and a pastor says, hey, hey, don't do that. And they leave mad. Well, the pastor, you know, he's just so mean. Well, what do he do? Well, I, don't, I can't even tell you it's so mean, you know. And he's like, well, he told me not to, you know, not to spit at my, you know, at, at, at my neighbor over there. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, sometimes you've got to take some of those things with a grain of salt, right? But, uh, but there have been, no doubt, lots of people that have been hurt in churches sometimes by other people in a church. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, you can live a, live a life in such a way that uh, as far as you're concerned, no one's ever done anything to you. And you think about how free that would be, right? Because so many times people bring baggage and carry baggage all their life about what somebody else did to them. And it was real, right? It, and it was hurtful and it was unkind and it was, it was a terrible thing they did. <clears throat> but not only did they do that to you, but you carry the memory of that as it's real every day. And, and, and so you struggle with that. And, and that's just like a double, double-edged sword. You know, not only did they do that to you, which is terrible and, and real, but now you carry the weight of that all of these years. And, and the best thing you could ever do uh, against them is to live a free life. Because when they know they can't hurt you, it just bothers them, you know. When I, when I got to a point at, at that church where nothing they could do or say to me bothered me, it bothered them twice as much. Uh, not that I wanted to do, but, you know, you take a little joy in, in, in them being bothered, you know, by uh, not hurting you. And so, and it wasn't, you know, this psychological game I played. It was the power of the Spirit of God, you know, living on the inside of me. That, But uh, now when people do things, uh, to, even to me and Chris, you know, we say they're amateurs. You know, we've been, we've been offended by professionals. And uh, these amateurs come the same as they go, go back when you can really offend somebody, right? Go back and work on your offensive game because it's embarrassing, you know. Come back when you do a better job. And so, uh, and we choose to live that way. In fact, I was at a church one time and, and just uh, the Lord just encouraged me to go to that. Uh, we, we were pastoring, but uh, we didn't have church on Sunday nights. And so we went up to, I went up to his church up in Indiana, just kind of on the spur of the moment. And, um, uh, and I forgot about the time change, so, and something happened. I, I got there just a couple minutes late. Uh, so I didn't see him before the service, but he saw me in the church in the church service and recognized, you know, that I was there. Well, after the church service, he just exited stage right, didn't even say hi to me or anything, you know. I mean, isn't that embarrassing? It's like terrible, right? Because he owes me a hello, right? Because people owe me things. Well, no, I just didn't think about it, you know. The Lord sent me to go to that service, and that's what I did. And, and I got out in my car, and it was about a four-hour, five-hour trip. And about 30 minutes in the trip, he called me. He said, hey, you know, something came up. I had to leave right after church, you know. Uh, I hope I didn't offend you. Because, uh, you know, I guess that's what people uh, assume, right? If, if they do something, and even though it was an intent to offend, somebody will take offense. You know, you can take offense when there's no offense intended, right? I mean, you can, a lot of people do that, you know. Hey, how you doing? What do you want, you know? And you just take offense. And, 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 um, and so I said, well, you know, I, I wasn't offended. I, I chose a long time ago never to be offended. Amen. You don't like my tie? No, I don't really care. You know, you, you don't like it that I wear a suit? It doesn't bother me. You think I... You know, mention Kenneth Hagin's name too much? You know, I don't care, you know. You think that, you know, the music is too loud? Not a problem, you know. You, th- you don't like the music we sing? I don't really care, right? You don't like the message I preached? That's your problem, not mine. I mean, I'm just not going to be offended, right? Because people will say those things 
I had somebody tell me I'm the worst pastor ever. I mean, how would you know? Have you met all of them? I mean, you'd have to, that's a pretty, that's a pretty important rank, right? I mean, you'd have to, the only way you could say I'm the worst is if you know all the other ones, right? And so it's like, well, clearly you haven't met everybody yet. Yeah, and so, but um, I said I'm a terrible teacher, right? terrible Bible teacher. Yeah, and <laughs> people are terrible, right? You know, there was a church person telling me these things, right? Uh, you're a terrible Bible teacher. And, and I'm thinking, I don't know, I thought I was pretty good, you know. Because uh, if you can't be offended, you know, and, and the, what happens is the more that you're not offended, the madder they get. Uh, and, and so, and, and I'm not doing it to get them mad, of course, but uh, I just a long time ago, you know, I know who I am. The Lord loves me. I'm a child of God. What could you, what, how could it go downhill from there, right? There's nothing you could say that would t- cause me to go downhill. Uh, and so, and I don't like it. I don't like when people say those things, but I just choose not to be offended. And so, uh, so it just, uh, uh I don't know how we got off all that, you know, but uh, from Brother Randy. But uh, the meetings were really good, and um, uh, it was good to, to be with him and good to be in the services there. So, um, and, of course, it's, uh, it's not quite November. It's, it's the end of October, and so, of course, Johnny had a birthday this week, right? So happy birthday, Johnny. What's that? Y- yesterday, yeah. And today is Jeanette's birthday, right? And uh, I don't know why I usually get a, a notification about your birthday, Johnny. I didn't get it. Did you change it on my phone or something? Because uh, I got one for, for, um, for Jeanette. Uh, her birthday is that she's celebrating her birthday with COVID-19. And so 19 of her closest friends uh, her having a uh, birthday today. So I'll be praying for uh, Miss Jeanette there. So, uh, and it, uh, uh, I guess and when did she find out she had it? Wednesday, okay, so hopefully by now the symptoms are getting less and less there, but, um, um, and so, um, happy birthday to, uh, Johnny and Jeanette there, and then, of course, it's November on Tuesday, so, Mr. Stanley, you got a birthday this week, right, so, happy almost birthday to Stanley and Paige, she's got a birthday this, this month, and uh, Miss Sanders got a birthday this month, so, anybody else got a birthday in November we don't know about? Jared? Yours uh, okay. Uh, so, all right. Well, um, well, uh, I was going to read a verse, but I think we preached a, enough for our pre-sermon sermon. So, why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute? And we'll get into praise and worship. And it's true, Father, you're worthy for me to give you all, my all, my life, and my thoughts, and my words, my deeds and actions, Father. You're worthy, Father, for me to give all of it to you. Father, that's based on what little we know about you now. When we see you face to face, Father, it'll be so clear that you are worthy. Father, be so clear that you're worthy of all adoration and praise. And to cast our crowns down before you. Declare that you are worthy. You're the God of all the universe. You created all of existence, Father, with your spoken word. You loved us and desired good things for us. You sent your very son. Father, you're for us. And you're not against us, Father. Father, we thank you. Goodness and kindness and mercy, Father. Goodness and kindness and mercy, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. worship you and you alone, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, you Thank you, Father, we thank you for giving us your all, your very best, Father. Father, you looked around the whole universe and asked a question, what, what could I send that would show the people of the world that I love them? What is worthy of my love towards them? And Lord, the only thing you found worthy to show us your love is to send your very son. Father, an angel would not have been sufficient animal father would not have been sufficient only your very son would show us how much you truly love us 
and so father that's what you did you sent us your very son to show father by example you know talk is cheap father so many times we say we love somebody but father we don't show it but father you showed it and you spoke it father this is how much i love you i will send my very son to show you that's how much i care for you that's how much i desire good things for you Father, we thank you. Not only by word, Father, but by deed, you showed us how much you love us. And so, Father, it's such a small thing for us to, to respond and say, thank you, Father, we love you too. We love you, Father. Your word says that we love you because you loved us first. And that's so true, Father. Father, you loved us from before the foundation of the world. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you for your very own love, Father. For your very own Son that you sent to us. And then, Father, you filled us with your Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Father. You filled us with the Holy Spirit. Because you wanted to have communion with us each and every day. And remind us each and every day, Father, that you do love us. And you do that by your Spirit, Father. We thank you for the presence of your Spirit. Thank you, Father. And Father, in all of these things, we give you the praise and the honor, Father. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all day. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's see. Um, let's open up our Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. We'll continue there today. And uh, we finished up talking about adultery. Uh, last week, and um, we're about uh, to start uh, the subject of divorce, and um, um, you know, you all got to appreciate how brave I am to to um, broach this subject. You know, there's landmines and and barbed wires and grenades hanging out there waiting, to, you know, to uh, uh, because so many have, people have strong opinions about this subject, and uh, you know, I remember when I was uh, when I first got saved. I got saved when I was 15. And, um, you know, I didn't know the Lord, didn't know anything about it, never been to church, never read the Bible or anything, didn't know anything, you know, I mean, I barely knew God that existed and uh, didn't, never heard of Abraham. You know, you heard of David and Goliath, but never, you know, Abraham, who's the father of our faith, never heard of him. Who's this guy, right? Didn't know all these things, you know, didn't, didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was, you know, never even heard of him. And, um, and so, you know, as a good, as a good uh, baby Christian, I thought, well, I'm going to read the Old Testament first. You might start, the, you know, at the be be very beginning. And, of course, you get slogged down in the book of Numbers and you never come out, right? I mean, you get the, you know, you might make it through Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, but to get the Numbers, it's just, there's no hope, right? Lose hope, all you enter, right? Uh, and so, um, I don't know if I made it all the way through there. I somehow eventually made it over the New Testament. But, but as I was reading the law, you know, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through, through uh, Deuteronomy, is called the law, right? It's the first five books of the Old Testament's called the Pentateuch. There's a lot of names for it. And it's where the primary, you know, the, when, when the Jews talk about the law, that's what they're talking about because they talk about the law and the prophets and they really the law and the prophets and the writings, but the law and the prophets, you know, of course, the prophets are all the prophets, right? Uh, um, all the major prophets and, and the minor prophets there, uh, starting with Isaiah. And then, um, and then the writings, you know, things like Psalms and, and uh, Ruth and uh, the stories, you know, the historical books, you know, uh, First and Second Kings, those types of books are considered... Um, the writings of the Old Testament, and so, 
But I, as I was reading that, I thought I had a brilliant idea. You know, the Lord said, don't do this, right? Uh, do this. And I thought, yeah, this is, this is great. Uh, just write down everything I can do and write down everything I can't do, right? Wouldn't that make it easy? Uh, and I remember having this conversation with a Christian, right, who actually knew something. Of course, I didn't know anything. And I thought, why doesn't the Lord do that in the New Testament? Why doesn't the Lord, since Jesus, just send us an email. Here's all the things you can do. Here's all the things you can't do. Uh, and wouldn't that make our life easy? Because the nice thing about that, you never have to make a decision. You just get to a certain situation. Oh, right here. Hang on. You look at your list. Okay, I can do that, right? Oh, hang on. No, I can't do that. I'm sorry. And life is good, right? Wouldn't that be great? But the problem with that is how big would that book have to be? I mean, you know, because uh, there's an Old Testament law, you can't kill your neighbor's ox. Okay, but what about his billy goat? There's no law about billy goats. There's nothing, right? Don't say anything about billy goats, right? I mean, so, so does, that mean, does that mean I'm fair game? Shoot them all you want to, right? Run over them, poison them, whatever you want to, right? But if it's an ox, can't, can't hurt the ox, right? Uh, and so that's the problem with the law. It's limited, right? It's never, it would never cover every situation. It was never intended to, right? The, 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 the Jews got it all whacked out, out way, out of, way out of balance. And that's the problem with the law is it's so limited. And, and, and the New Testament, the, the prophecy the Lord gave to the church is, I'm going to write my laws in your heart. When, I, when you get saved, you get the Spirit of God inside you, and now everywhere you go, the Spirit of God can tell you, yeah, you can do that. Or don't do that. Well, yeah, go ahead and say that, but don't say that. The Spirit of God, He's there. And, and that's easy, right? Because then, you, then he'll, He can cover every situation, right? Should I buy the blue car or the red car? And the Lord may be like, dummy, I don't care. But it may be like, hey, the red car is going to blow up when you get it outside the, the parking lot. Don't buy that one, right? He can tell you that, right? So it's not a moral question, but he, he said that he would lead you and guide you in all truth and show you things to come. So it's not just moral things he helps you with. It's everything, right? Here's a good thing to do. Here's not a good thing to do. It's not sin, but, you know, it might be fattening or it might be, you know, might cause you some discomfort or, you know, might cause, you know, that action might cause somebody else to be offended. So don't do that. So he can cover every scenario with him on the inside of you. So that's the benefit and the blessing of living in the New Testament. Of course, I didn't think that way. I thought, you know, I want to be legalistic. That way, because we don't really say it, but the reason why the, the flesh, our flesh loves the law is we can have a loophole. Didn't say I couldn't kill your, your billy goat, so I'm good. See, that's a loophole, right? You think if he said don't kill your ox, he also don't, meant not to kill your neighbor's uh, billy goat? I think that would, he would you know, a sane person would say that, right? A sane person would go, sure, if he meant not to kill any farm animal, but, you know, ox was a big deal, right? I mean, it's how you made your living. It's how you plowed the North 40, right? Uh, and so I think Johnny used to use mules, right? Hook them up and all that stuff, right? Uh, I mean, I hear stories like that. I thought, you know, I don't know how we survived as a, as a, as a you know, as a humanity, right? How the civilization survived. We had to pull everything with a, with a mule, right? That's why God invented the, the internal combustion engine. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, everything can't be covered with the law. And, and so that's the problem because even today in the church, we love the law. Even today, we'll take one verse, whether it's Old Testament, it doesn't matter whether, where, where it's found, we will take it and we will plant it in cement and that's the law. We cannot do anything around other than that right there. And, and we will just, I mean, it's just, uh, and, and it's really easy to tell people that, who are legalistic Christians, that's what we call legalistic Christians, because they're ones that are looking for the loophole. I can do that, but I can't do that. Uh, and, and so here we are with the subject of a divorce. And, and, and you know, of course, I, I was not a, a minister, you know, I've been a minister, a pastor, a full-time pastor for the last 14 years. But, you know, I've been saved for 40 years, right? Uh, actually, a little bit more than 40 years now. 
So it was a long time I wasn't a minister. And, and, and of course, I've been married for 33 years now. In fact, I was listening to my, my um, ceremony this morning. I had my headphones in, listened to my, you know, what I told my wife I'd do. And, and I was grading it. You know, I, I think I'm about an A-plus right now. You know, I'm so pretty, pretty good so far, right? How are we doing, honey? Right? All right, so we got a thumbs up there, right? Uh, and uh, I sent her the song that I sang to her. I didn't sing to her, but I had somebody sing it to her, you know. I wouldn't sing a song, but because uh, we might not have stayed married if I'd sung the song to her. But, uh, but anyway, so here's a song, you know. Uh, it was a Don Francisco song. I thought, wow, that was, that was really awesome. You know, it's really, it was a really good song. Uh, and so I was patting myself on the back, you know, about how wonderful of a husband I've been. Uh, but, you know, as long as I've been a Christian, I've heard of this topic of divorce, remarriage. And, you know, for me, never been an issue, right? We're never going to get divorced. We'll be married till forever, right? And I can say that with all confidence, you know. I'll be married till I breathe my last breath on the earth. Uh, and, and, uh, but, you know, there, you hear so many strong opinions in this area. And just fighting mad people, right? Just, and anything that I hear that's fighting mad, I, you know, I, I question it because... Um, it just doesn't seem to be that the Lord would write something that would cause to be fighting mad about a, a particular topic like that, right? Uh, and you hear so much strong opinions on one side and strong opinions on the other side. And it's been my observation that the, the major problem with the topic of divorce from a biblical standpoint is people just don't want to read the Word. They don't want Because you can't pick out one topic and say, this is it, and it stands by itself. Uh, anytime I'm studying the Word of God, well, I'll read a verse and I'll, I may come up with some some idea of here's what I think it means. But as soon as I do that, I thought, well, let's see what the word says in relation to that. And then I'll start going through the word and start running my references, start reading other books, uh, chapters and verses in the scriptures. Does what I just, is what I just said or thought about this verse, is it so with the whole counsel of God? And I can't tell you how many times I'll come up with an idea, you know, I think it means this. And I'll start reading and, and following references and looking up words and definitions and commentaries. And, and, and so many times I've come to the conclusion like, nope, not even close, not even close. So I got to throw that out. I got to throw out what I just thought because it doesn't fit. What we think about the word of God, it has to fit with the whole counsel of God. And if we choose to pick out one verse and just build an entire doctrine and fortress over this one verse that doesn't stand any scrutiny, doesn't withstand any scrutiny from the whole word of God, we're just legalistic Christians. You know, if, if, if you tell me you believe something about a verse, you know, I ought to be able to say, well, what do you think about this? You know, in fact, just, just the other day, somebody was telling me about the, what they thought of something. And, and you know, uh, uh, we can't go into the, in specifics right now. But uh, as soon as they said that, you know, multiple verses rose up in my heart about what they thought was wrong. Now, I didn't tell them that because it's not really my job to tell somebody that they're wrong. But, you know, they thought, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I thought, well, what about this verse? Well, what about that verse? What about this one, this one, this one, this one? Yeah, and see, we, we drum up with, uh, you know, uh, one time somebody told me, that, uh, that I'm a terrible pastor because I don't have, at that time, I don't have a men's fellowship and a women's fellowship in our church. You're a terrible pastor. You don't even have a men's fellowship and women's fellowship. And immediately, now, I didn't say anything, but immediately I thought, how many book, chapters, and verses are there in thou shalt have men's fellowship in the church? Is there a single verse? You know, the, I, we know though there's 31,102 verses in the King James Version of the, of the Bible, right? Out of those 31,102 verses, there is zero. It says, thou shalt have a men's fellowship in a church. So if the Bible doesn't say we should have a men's fellowship, uh, are, are, are we required to have one? That's the question. Are we required to have one? No. Is it okay to have one? Perfectly fine to have one, right? I mean, there's fellowship, right? Nothing wrong with fellowship. Women's fellowship. Okay to have a women's fellowship? Sure, unless they're gambling, you know, like, the, I mean, I've heard rumors, you know, but, you know. Uh, and so, you know, 
Uh, is it okay? Well, it's fine to have it, but is it required? Does the Lord say, thou shall have menstrual? No, thou shall have when no, There's nothing in there. But this person just excoriated me, just rude, so rude, right? It's like, I wouldn't even talk to a person I didn't like that way, much less a pastor, a minister of the gospel. Even if I didn't like the minister of the gospel, I wouldn't talk to him that way. You know, even, even, even someone I didn't like, I wouldn't talk to him that way because that would be disrespectful, amen? And I'm not a disrespectful person. And I sure wouldn't talk the way to my elder. I mean, there are people that are my elders that said the worst things, and I, I won't disrespect them because they're my elder. Because I'm, I'm not stupid, right? It's a problem. You know, some people, it's like, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, we all get to learn. We all get to grow up. You know, I'm glad you didn't know me when I was saying those wedding vows, right? You know, that was 33 years ago. I'm glad, you know, you know my wife's known me all these years, so she got to see me grow up over the years. But, uh, but we get so adamant about things, and we don't have any book, chapter, and verse for it. We don't have any biblical foundation for it. You know, there's so many things people say, they, here's what I think. And I think, but there's no biblical foundation for that philosophy. So you should take that and throw it out. If you've got no biblical foundation for what you think and what you believe, throw it out. Right? Or, you know, if you want to think about it, you know, Brother Randy was talking this week about, you know, where do demons come from? You ever thought about that? I mean, Jesus dealt with a lot of demons. But from a from biblical standpoint, where do they come from? Right? Uh, I mean, there's a couple of theories. One is they were the, the one-third of the angels that fell, right? But that seems kind of weird. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true because Jude talks about this. They're held in chains. But then, you know, uh, uh, Lester Summerall thinks that that was, you know, or maybe it was uh, Finnish Dake thinks that, that the ones in chains were just the ones that from Genesis chapter 6. And there's theories that maybe they were from a pre-Adamic race that were here before Adam was here. And, I mean, you know, there's some interesting theories. But do we have an absolute, thus saith the Lord, from the word of God, where they came from? No, so we can talk about it, but if you, no, they came this way. Well, you can't be that adamant about it. You don't have any Bible for it. Amen. And if you tell me I'm, a, I'm not a Christian because I believe a certain way, and I'm not even, you know, I don't really have, I kind of lean one way. I kind of lean towards maybe they were from a pre-Adamic race, but then, you know, there's some limitations that I do see in the word of God about where spirits would come from. And so, you know, I don't really know. And, you know, we can talk about it and some interesting theories, but I'm not going to be dogmatic about it but when it comes to like divorce people are so dogmatic about it and when I hear them I think but that doesn't fit with the whole counsel of God so my goal in, in this discussion here is let's see what the whole counsel of God says amen and and let's not get our feelings hurt because you know everybody ever been perfect uh, no one's ever been perfect right uh, but see in fact the song we were singing this morning uh, that uh, he's for me right uh, he's for me unless you're divorced, right? And then he's not for you anymore. Is that, is that Bible? Does that make sense? No, I mean, surely that can't make sense, right? Uh, but, but we have elevated divorce to literally unpardonable sin. You know, certain denominations, if you are divorced, you are not allowed to, to work in that ministry at all. You are not allowed to be an usher, deacon. You, you know, you can't do it. Uh, and they pull that from uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. And we'll talk about that maybe as we go along. I don't know how long we'll be there. I don't want to spend six months talking about this, but we could spend six months talking about this topic because there's so many strong opinions about this. But the Word of God, to me, is pretty clear. I mean, if you look at the whole counsel of God, it's pretty simple, pretty clear. It's not hard to understand. It's not difficult to, to come to the right conclusion. It's if you read the whole, not, not part of the counsel of God, but if you look at the whole counsel of God, it seems pretty clear to me what the deal is, right? Uh, and, and so uh, that's now when I say the whole counsel of God, I mean the whole counsel of God as it relates to this topic. You know, the whole counsel of God is Genesis through Revelation. We can't get through Philippians. We've been through it three years, right? And we could be on it for another two, three years. You know, I don't know. Uh, and so we're not going to spend the, the, uh, all the rest of eternity looking at this particular topic.
But we'll start with what Jesus said here because this is, this is a, a good place to start because a lot of people will pick verses like this out kind of out of context and, and, and build a fortress right here. This is what it means. But then, you know, uh, if you look at like what Paul said later on in the epistles, it appears to be in conflict with what Jesus says. And then people say dumb things like, well, I know Paul and Jesus disagree. I'm going to go with Jesus because that's always a smart thing to do. But that's the dumbest thing. I mean, who, did, who told Paul what to write? It was literally the Holy Spirit who told Paul what to write. Well, who does the Holy Spirit answer to? Well, literally, the, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's not going to speak of himself. He's only going to speak that which he hears. Hears from me. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. So in the hierarchy of, of God, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's literally in that order. The Holy Spirit answers to Jesus. Jesus answers to the Father. And anything that the Holy Spirit says, he says by the direction of Jesus. So Jesus told Paul basically what to say about uh, divorce and remarriage in, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And it appears to be in conflict with what Jesus says here in Matthew 5 and Matthew chapter 19. But there's no conflict. It all makes sense. If you put it all together, what Jesus is trying to say, it all makes sense. But we have elevated this to be nearly an unpardonable sin. I mean, right up there with blaspheming the Holy Ghost. Now, and, and there's literally, you know, uh, when, it, when you talk about the, the phrase, the unpardonable sin, there's only one unpardonable sin in the Scriptures. The only unpardonable sin is not accepting Jesus. That's it. You die and not accept Jesus, it's unpardonable. Sorry, God's not going to like, yeah, come on in anyways. No. You got your chance on this earth, you know, 70 years for your average lifespan on the earth, you know, 80 years for strength, you know, the, uh, Psalm 90 says that, and, you know, Genesis 6 says you can live 120, so let's say you live 120 years. How many chances do you get to accept Jesus? Dozens, maybe hundreds of chances. And if at the end of the day, you know, I just ain't doing it. And then you die. You, you breathe your last breath on the physical earth. You die, you go into the spirit realm, and you stand before the judge of the earth. And he's gonna, only going to ask you one question. Did you accept uh, me as your Savior? Yes. Then you come in. No. Then it's, it's not, he's not, he doesn't send anybody to hell. We all choose not to go to heaven. That's the, that's the, it's our choice. Amen? Because he, has he done everything he could possibly do to get us saved? Well, sure. I mean, he sent his own son, died. He shed blood on the, on the cross, you know. Did everything he could possibly do. And then he said, Here. You're welcome to come and spend eternity with me. All you got to do is say yes. You don't have to do anything. All you got to say yes. In fact, if you go through Romans 10, 9 to 10, look at the, we call it the sinner's prayer. Uh, there's not a single repentance in, that, in, that, uh, uh, in those two verses, right? It says, you got to believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess your mouth uh, him as your Lord. That's it. Believe and confess. There's not anything about repent what you did on Tuesday night, repent for being a sinner, because how are you going to remember everything you did? There's no way. It's just kind of a blanket thing. Okay. Uh, before, before Jesus, uh, it's all, it's, as soon as you accept him, it's all covered. Now, after you get saved, if you sin, then, then you got 1 John 1, 9. He says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to, conv- conv- uh, to uh, forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Unless you've been divorced. And then that verse doesn't work for you, right? Uh, and so if you've been divorced, there's no, there's no coming back from divorce. But is that true? Does 1 John 1, 9 got a loophole for divorce? I mean, it says if you confess your sins. Now, what, now you know, we're going to get into it, but what if you were the one who caused a divorce, right? What if you were the one who committed adultery or, you know, cheated, uh, you know, whatever, right? Whatever, whatever the root cause of it is, and we may talk about some of those things, but what if you were, the, what if you were actually, and you know, you, you agree 100%, yeah, it's my fault. What if you were the one who caused it? Is, there, is that it? Are you, are you doomed for the rest of your natural life? That you have no, no recourse? That 1 John 1, 9 applies to every sin in the entire world except for the, the sin of divorce, right? Because if you caused it, you know, that, that would be a, a sin and infraction against the Lord. 
We'll talk about why that is in a minute, but is, is there no recourse for the, for, the, for the person who knows they were guilty, knows they did it, knows it was their fault? Is, is that it for the rest of your life? And you're no longer just allowed to serve the Lord in any capacity? That just, that just seems insane to me. And it, because it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with 1 John 1, 9. It doesn't fit with any, any other sin, you know. I mean, Brother Randy was in prison for 10 years, right? Armed robbery, drug dealing, right? Carousing and being just a bad person. You know, I don't even go to jail for that, but, you know, those are all the things he did. He got out and he's ministering all over the world, right? Now, that's okay. But, you know, heaven forbid if he got divorced, right? You know, no, you know you're out of here. Now, we'll take your money. You know, just go ahead and give me your money. You know, that's fine. You know, give me all your money. It's fine. I will take your money uh, all day long, but we won't take your life. We won't take you. But, you know, money, you got to think about it. When I, when, when I give money to, to the church, I'm really giving my life to the church, right? Because I spent time of my life to generate that income. So I'm taking my life and I'm giving it to the Lord Jesus. But I'm, I can give my life that way to the Lord Jesus, but I can't greet anybody at the door as an usher. But that doesn't make any sense. You know, just walking around sense. You know, it's okay for the Word of God to make walking around sense, right? Uh, and, and to me, if it doesn't make walking around sense, I have a hard time accepting it. You know, the, the more people know the Word of God, sometimes their, their, their doctrine is so convoluted, so, so gobbledygoopy, it's impossible to understand what they're saying. And you have to have a Ph.D., just to, just to go out to lunch with them, right? And, and, and their, their doctrine makes no sense. And, and what I have found is the more I study the Word of God, and I've been diligently studying the Word of God for decades, it, it makes more sense and more clear the more I study it. It doesn't make less sense and become more complicated the more I study it. It becomes more clear and easier to understand the more that I study it. Now, and so let, let's see, let's start out here with what Jesus said about, about this topic. So he said here in Matthew 5, 31, he said, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, so that's the King James for divorce his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. And so uh, we've got a lot of problems with this verse, right? Because... Um, what if, what if the, the man was the one that committed fornication? So it's okay for the man to divorce the wife, but what if the, what if the wife is perfectly innocent and the man's the one out there carousing? Too bad. So legalism, legalism is too bad. Only covers the wife. If she does wrong, you can get rid of her, but if he does wrong, you've got to keep him. Does that make any sense? That doesn't make any sense, right? But he, that's, that's the problem with the law. The law is never capable of covering every scenario. Because in that culture, it was unusual for that to happen. Not, not entirely unusual because David's the one who caused Bathsheba to, to commit adultery, right? Uh, and so, and the Lord fussed at him. You know, the, Nathan the prophet came to, to David and rebuked him. He never went to Bathsheba and rebuked her. Uh, and so, but we don't want to talk about that, right? We don't want to talk about that. Because we, as a man, we like, yeah, it's all the women's fault, right? Because that makes it easy for us, right? Uh, and, you know, the, the Pentecostal church, I think, has done the worst job about in the married life because in the Pentecostal church women you can't wear jewelry you can't wear makeup you know you can't look good uh, and but us men we can spend whatever we want to and whatever we want to right wear nicer suits nicer clothes but women gotta look bedraggled and wear you know the worst clothes ever right and no jewelry for you you know there was a prayer line brother brother Huggy tells a story it's a prayer line this woman was up in the prayer line and, and uh, she was wanting to receive the Holy Spirit 
And so this one fella, you know, it wasn't his church, but he just, you know, sometimes people just take it upon themselves to act like a minister. And they're going to start helping people out. Now, they didn't ask to be helped, right? And the pastor didn't ask him help. They're going to go help him anyway. So they're helping this lady praying. And he said, sister, uh, if you'll get rid of your gold ring, gold jewelry, uh, God will bless you. And of course, Brother Hagin is like, shut up, go to your room. To the man, right? And she got spirit filled and he's like, how's that even possible? She was wearing a ring. What's wrong with her, right? Now we think it's funny, but that's how pathetic we've gotten in the church, right? We don't want to look at the, what the Word of God says, right? We don't want to look at the whole counsel of God. We want to, we want to have these little uh, kingdoms of ourselves that uh, we're right. And if you don't do it exactly the way I prescribe, you are of the devil. Uh, and, and this is, you know, of course, divorce is one of these topics, right? That if you don't believe like I believe, you're of the devil. Uh, and so, so that's what Jesus said. It's been said... Uh, that uh, give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, save for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Now this is, Jesus was talking about, there's a law right now. If you remember, adultery, which is in the previous section that Jesus talked about, was in the Ten Commandments. But divorce is not in the Ten Commandments. It's in the law. It's over in Deuteronomy chapter 24. We'll read it in a second. But it's not part of the Ten Commandments. So if it's, so, I mean, you kind of think of Ten Commandments are kind of the ten most important things, right? Other important things, but these are the ten most important things. So divorce didn't make that list, right? So it's not important. It's, it's you know, the, the part of the problem with, with the church that I believe is uh, a lot of times people think if you give people an inch, they're going to take a mile. And if you say, well, you know, it's not the part, unpardonable sin. And everybody goes, great, I'm getting divorced today. Is that the plan? I mean, anybody married in here is thinking, oh, yeah, he just said I can get it. I'm, I'm do, right, right now. I'm going out to Walmart, print out the divorce papers, and, and we're going to do it, right? That, I mean, anybody want to sin? Is anybody trying to sin? Anybody looking for a loophole to sin? I'm going to do it right now, right? Uh, and so, just like, I mean, is adultery the unpardonable sin? No. Sweet. I'm doing it tomorrow. Anybody thinking that? Is anybody thinking, you know, you mean I'm not going to die and go to heaven? I mean, I don't think you would. Is, is, so, is that your plan? Are you going to do that tomorrow? You know, all sin does, does uh, uh, drive towards death, right? Sin always tries to kill you. If it can kill you physically, it'll do it. If it can kill you spiritually, it'll do it. Now, it's hard to do it, but it, it, it will try to do that. Anybody trying to kill themselves? No, anybody want to do that? It's just crazy talk, right? And, and if you're looking for a loophole, that is not my problem. Uh, but a lot of Christians do. They look for loopholes. Well, the pastor said, you know, you can do it, you know, so I'm going to go do that, you know. No, I didn't say it. It's not okay. Amen. One minister said, I don't want people to get divorced. Just fight it out and, and get over it, you know. I don't know that's best, uh, best uh, advice in the world. Uh, but, but that's what he said, right? Uh, and so, so Jesus was, was referencing the, the law, right? The law. So uh, if you remember in, in adultery, Jesus said, if you look at a woman to lust after in your heart. So in adultery, Jesus was trying to, he was moving the, the, the people of God towards the New Testament, right? Towards God's concerned what's going on in your heart, not just what you naturally do. In, in the topic of divorce, he didn't get that far because, and we're going to talk about why he didn't get that far, he left the expansion of divorce and the topic of divorce and how we operate that in, in, the, in the New Testament under the law of love for Paul to expound upon. Now, what he's trying to do here, the big issue with divorce from the Jewish people, because he's talking to Jewish people, if you go back to the law, it says in Deuteronomy 24, 1, when a man had taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes. People like to stop right there. No favor in his eyes. Oh, she burned the biscuits. 
out of here, right? She didn't make the bed. Out of here. No favor in my eyes, right? Uh, well, no, it doesn't. It, you know, and sometimes the Lord's like, look, look, read the rest of the verse, right? He said, because he has found some uncleanness in her. See, there it is. She's a slob. She's out of here, right? I mean, she left some dirty clothes on the, on the ground. She didn't clean up the dishes after we ate dinner. She's out of here, right? Mowed the grass but didn't blow off the, the driveway. Uncleanness, right? Uh, then uh, uh, found some uncleanness in her. Then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it, uh, give it her hand, give it in her hand and send her out of his house. So, so basically the Lord, you know, because of the law, uh, he's saying, look, we need to address this. You know, people get married and things happen. So we need, to, we need to cover that, right? I mean, it seems like a reasonable thing to do, right? Two human beings with a free will decide to get together, decide to marry and, and have an eternal bond, but then life happens and, and something, something needs to be done about it. And so in this case, he's covering the situation of found uncleanness in her. So that means she skipped the, uh, skipped the bath, right? Forgot to put deodorant on, right? I mean, is, is that... Well, see, the, that's the problem with the law. What does he mean by that? How far can we go with that? And, and what happened in the Jewish, in the Jewish nation is they kind of had two, they had two uh, uh, schools of thought about that. One school of thought, well, uncleanness meant, you know, fornication, adultery, you know, sleeping with somebody other than your spouse, right? Other than your husband. Uh, that's what it meant, right? And that's kind of fair, right? I mean, if, if, if you're cheating on your husband or uh, cheating on your husband, it seemed like there'd be fair grounds so maybe we don't need to be together, right? I mean, if we can't be together, you know, if I'm not good enough for you to be here and you've got to have somebody else, you know, then maybe you need to go with somebody else, right? I mean, and that's kind of what the law is for. And that was, the, that was one school of thought. Well, the other school of thought was, well, uncleanness is just whatever I say. I mean, you know, and, and, and in fact, uh, I was in studying this, there, there was, uh, this was from a Jewish rabbi. They said that uh, uh, some of the things that, that could cause a man to divorce his wife, if she spoiled his dinner by putting too much salt in it, right? Not pepper, but salt, right? Too much salt, you out of here, right? If she went uh, in public uh, with her head uncovered, uh, she's out of here. Talk, to, talk with men in the streets, a brawling woman. If she spoke disrespectful of her husband's parents, not her parents, but her husband's parents, in his presence, uh, if she was troublesome or quarrelsome. Now, that one's fair, right? Okay, yeah, she's she bad for that one right there. Uh, and, then, and then he said uh, this phrase uh, uh, about finding no favor in his sight meant that a, a man could divorce his wife if he found a woman whom he considered to be more attractive than she was. And this, this is a, 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 a Hebrew scholar, a, a, a Jewish scholar, a rabbi, who said that. You know, if you find a woman that's prettier than yours, then you can, that's, that's uh, finding no favor, right? And all the men said, sweet, you know, let's go. You know, we'll get online, we'll swipe left, swipe right, we'll, I don't know which way you go, but you know, We'll, we'll get on, we'll do it, right? Because we'll surely you can find somebody. I mean, I'm glad it's not for the men because, you know, my wife, if you swipe once, there it is. It's over, right? I mean, it, it, it'd take about a nanosecond, right, to, to find somebody that would meet that qualification. If, but see, fortunately, it doesn't cover the women. It's only for the man, right? The men can do this. Uh, and that's, that's the great thing about the Word of God. You know, men, women, too bad for you, right? But men, it's, it's all right. So, so what happened as the school of thoughts kind of took... Uh, 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 took ground in the uh, nation of Israel, people started, because we're, we're awful people, we all gravitated towards anything goes, right? And by the time Jesus got on the earth, the, the whole concept of marriage was nearly destroyed in the Jewish community because they're basically like, I can get rid of you anything. Just whatever I feel like. If it's Tuesday, 
you're out of here, right? And so, that, that, and so that's, that's the problem that Jesus is trying to address here is you all have, because I, I prescribe, look, if she commits fornication or adultery, you know, uh, now you, it's not absolute. You don't have to get rid of her, right? But if she just so, she just won't repent, won't, won't straighten up, you know, and, and, and you can't get over it, then that's fair grounds, right? The Word of God says fair grounds, right? Uh, and so, uh, but the people have said, well, that's too restrictive. We want it for anything, any cause, right? Now, if you go over to Matthew 19, they said, Moses said we could do it for any cause. And Jesus said, because you've got a hard heart. That's why you thought that. He didn't say that, right? He said for these, he's prescribed some uncleanness. And that should have been limited to, obviously, you know, when you see the word unclean in the Old Testament law, it's talking about spiritually unclean. You've done something that caused an, an, a, 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 a conflict between you and the Lord spiritually. And that's an issue. And when you break your wedding vows, that's an issue by, doing, by having uh, uh, relations outside the, the marital trust. Uh, and so what Jesus is having to do here is he didn't have time to start talking about the law of love, right? Because we go over the New Testament, everything is governed by the law of love. Old Testament, he, we had this law in Deuteronomy, 21, Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. And so he said, you're so out of whack, you've got to bring that back in. Let's get that back to, to where it was supposed to be. I'll let Paul talk about the law of love when he gets here, right? But he's got to go to the road to Damascus and... You know, but so that's going to be a little while before we get there. But but that's what he's trying to do. He's trying he's trying to bring them back because he didn't go beyond the law. He stayed in the law right here. He said, "This is what Deuteronomy 24 meant." That's what I meant when I wrote this law because he wrote it right. He 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 spoke to Moses. Here's what I want you to write uh, down on the law, right? Uh, and so it wasn't just Moses going. You know, let's just make up some rules. You want to? No, he the Lord. He was up on the on Mount Sinai for 40 days and nights. And the Lord's like, you need to talk about this. You need to talk about this. Talk about that. And he wrote all those things down, right? So, so he's, trying to get, he's trying to get back to, let's at least get these things on, on stable ground. That uh, is there ever a cause, a valid cause to get a divorce? And from the Old Testament, there was. It was valid if the woman uh, committed some, uh, in, in this case, a, an infraction against the marriage covenant by going and sleeping out with somebody else. That was a valid cause to separate, right? To get a divorce. Uh, and so if that's true, and it's true, right? Because that's what Deuteronomy 24 says. So what was the status of the man? If, he sent, if the woman caused, uh, if the woman, because now we're, we're going to expand as to what it makes sense, right? But we'll look at the, the, the legalistic portion of it here so we can understand what he's saying. But let's say that happened, right? Man's not doing anything wrong. The wife's looking at the neighbor, you know, the pool boy or whatever, and goes, sweet, you know, and, and goes and does something she ought not do. And then the man finds out about it. Now, is, is he legally allowed to get a divorce from the Word of God, from the Old Testament law, right? We're going to talk about the New Testament, but the Old Testament law, was he legally allowed to get a divorce? He was legally allowed to get a divorce, right? Then what's the status of the man? Could he go and marry again? Well, sure, because he had a legal right to get a divorce, and he's just back to where he was, right? Well, how does that make any sense? I mean, you go to the New Testament, if you get a divorce, it doesn't matter what the cause is, uh, you're out, Right? Old Testament, if, you're, if you weren't the cause of the divorce, you could still get remarried, right? But in the New Testament, we made it even worse. If the woman, you know, again, if it was the woman who caused the divorce, and the man didn't do anything wrong. In, in today's church, many people still believe, doesn't matter. Divorce, your life is ruined. The Lord can never use you. But, but, but 
Hebrews says we've got a better, better covenant based upon a better promises. But that would, be, oh, that would be worse, right? So I could go back to the Old Testament as a Jewish person and being an innocent husband and my wife, is, it goes crazy and, and I send her out the door. I'm good in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, I'm not. If the woman is still crazy and, and does something in the New Testament and, and commits adultery or whatever and I send her out the door, it's too bad for me. And I can't tell you how many stories of ministers even where the wife just went crazy and walked out the door, left him hanging. And so many people think that well, he should never minister again. Does that make sense? Does that make him just walking around sense? So he's an innocent person. Because the Old Testament said if he's innocent and there's a woman causing a problem, the, the man could just go on and get married again. Now Jesus said here about the woman, uh, he said um, that uh, if she marries again, um, that uh, whoever marries her commits adultery, right? Let's go back and, and make sure we get the verse there, right? Um, in verse uh, 32, he says, And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. But why was this woman, according to what Jesus was saying, why was this woman divorced in the first place? What had she done to cause a divorce? She committed adultery, right? That's what he said, except for fornication and adultery. Uh, don't send her out. <clears throat> so now this woman, you know, again, we've got to keep it in the context of what Jesus is talking about because we always want to take the legalistic portion and expand it to something it's not saying. So let's keep it in the context of what he's saying. He's saying if it was the, the woman that caused the divorce because of adultery, now, she, now the husband sends her out of the house, get out of here, uh, and it's fair game, right? The Lord said it's fine, right? Because sometimes people do terrible things, right? And so, so now the woman is thrown out of the house, uh, and uh, with the legal divorce from the word of God, now, uh, and because she, com- she committed adultery, and she's out in the world now, uh, has she repented of adultery? Uh, if she goes and gets married again, she's going to take that adultery right on into the marriage, to this next marriage, and so she's going to defile the next marriage. So the question for us then is, what if that's true? What if the woman really did commit adultery? What if, she was really, what if the man really divorced her and sent her out of the house? Is she doomed forever? Because people would say, doesn't matter what she does, for the rest of her life, if she ever gets married again, she's, she's an adulterer. But, you know, does that make walking around sense? It's 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, did she commit a sin? Well, she did. She committed a sin of adultery, right? She committed a sin of adultery. If she goes out of the marriage, she's out in the world, having committed adultery and caused her marriage to fall, to fail, is there no repentance for her available at all? Is she doomed for the rest of her life to wear the A, you know, the adulterous A on her, on her shirt? You know, there's a, you know, an, old, an old story like that, right? Uh, for the rest of her life. Is there any, is there any recourse for her? Could she ever repent? Is the Lord going to hold that against her for eternity? I mean, is, is 1 John 1, 9 still true? Even, because who's 1 John 1, 9 for? Is it for the man who committed no sin? 1 John 1, 9, to confess your sins is not for the people who have not committed sins, right? He didn't say, all you have never committed a sin, please confess your sins and I'll, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'll forgive you. Is that who it's for? Well, surely it's not for the people who haven't committed sins. I mean, it's only for the people who have committed sins, right? If you, if, if you confess your sins, he is what? Faithful and just. So the just part means he's, he's allowed legally to declare you free from your sin, right? So the just part, 
the, 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 the faithful part means he'll always do it, but the just, means, just part means he's able to do it, right? He's legally allowed to do it because he's the God of all the earth, right? He's the God of all, of all humanity. So he has a legal right, if he wants to, to declare you free or not free from, from sin or guilt. And he said, if you confess your sins to him, then, then he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, right? So the woman was the one at fault. Again, we're not saying the man's never at fault. We're just saying that from reading the context of what Jesus is saying here. The woman's fault caused the marriage to fall apart by her infidelity, was divorced. Now she's out in the world. She'd like to be with another person sometime in her life. But if she just doesn't want to repent, she's still carrying that sin of adultery with her. And Jesus said if she goes and marries again, then that person's committing adultery with her because she's never repented of a sin. But what if she repents of the sin? What if she's out in the world and the Lord's talking to her every day, you know, what you did was wrong. What you did was wrong. And finally, along the way, she goes, you know, what I did was wrong. Now, the husband's remarried. Can she go back to him? She can't go back to him. He's remarried, right? I mean, you know, nowadays, it's like, well, yeah, he's going to have two wives, right? Me and, and number two, right? And, um, you know, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way, but, but it's too late, right? That, that ship has sailed. Now, is she stuck then the rest of her life that she's never allowed to have companionship the rest of her life because she committed an infraction? Now, she did it, right? She's guilty. She knows she's guilty. She knows she did it. Is, is she doomed the rest of her life? As 1 John 1, 9 says, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness except for that sin, that one sin right there. Because 1 John 1, 9, is, is there any loophole, any, any footnotes in 1 John 1, 9? Look at the list. Here's a list of approved sins that you can be forgiven for. That, here's a proof of sin. You can't be, none of these don't work over here. Adultery, you're out of here, right? Cheating your taxes, no. eating the third donut, no, you're out of here, right? You can't do that. So is 1 John 1, 9, could she, could she as a human being, as a child of God, go to the Lord and say, Lord, I did it. I did I was wrong. I chose to do it. Nobody made me do it. I, could, I got needs. No, you don't, you don't make excuses. You chose to do it, right? If you, if you want to have a good relationship with the Lord, then, then you own your sin. Lord, I did it. Nobody made me do it. I chose to do it. It's not anybody else's fault. I chose to do it uh, because I'm a, just a terrible person, right? You don't have to add that last part, but, you know, sometimes it helps to realize you're just, you, you failed, right? I did it, Lord. I'm confessing my sin. But, Lord, you said you were faithful. That means every time you'll do it. You said you were faithful and just. That means you can forgive me of my sins, right? The word forgive, what does the word forgive mean? It means to pardon Right? What happened to Brother Randy that allowed him to get out of jail? He was pardoned, right? He had a parole board. They pardoned him. You're out of jail. Unless you commit adultery. You're in jail for the rest of your life, right? He's faithful to forgive you, to pardon you of your sin, and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So what's the status of the woman after she repents, after she asks forgiveness, and after she's cleansed? What's the status of her and the Lord right then? She's restored. She's forgiven, right? Is she, is she clean? It says he, he cleanses her from all unrighteousness, right? So as far as adultery is concerned, is she an adulteress? No, she's clean. She's a child of God. She's a clean child of God. Could she get remarried and not be an adulteress? Well, sure, because she's just a regular child of God. She's a regular Christian, right? Well, you're saying it's okay to say, I'm not saying it's okay. It was a sin, right? Did she commit adultery? It was a sin. She caused the problem. It was her fault. She did it. So I'm not saying it's okay to just, well, then you just get married and divorce all you want to. It's, I mean, you know how long it takes? I mean, we're just now. We've been married 33 years. We just now, you know, just, just yesterday, I tripped over my own, my own uh, 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 bag in the hallway. Used to be I tripped over her shoes. It's taken her 33 years not to put her shoes in the walkway, right? I don't want to get married again and have to spend another 33 years. Don't put your shoes in the, right where I walk, right? 
I mean, it just took me 33 years to train her to get that way. Now I'm doing it myself, right? Now I'm tripping over my own stuff. Yeah, and so yeah, it'd be so exhausting to think, I've got to start back over, right? Now, you know, if I had to, right, it's fine. If she wants to go crazy and leave, you know, she's not going to. But, but it takes a lot of time to, you know, and, and you think about how much she's trained me. I mean, it just, if she had to think about, i got to start over, you know, again, right? I mean, all the things that I do, which, of course, I'm perfect. I never do anything wrong, but, but uh, I mean, you just think about that. How much work, right? It's a lot of work to, to it's a lot of work to learn how to be with somebody, right? It takes effort, amen? Uh, what's number one cause of every, of every divorce in the world? Anybody know? Oh, you, know you know the answer to it, right? It's selfishness, right? It's not money. It's not adultery. It's not cheating on your taxes. It's selfishness. Every divorce, that's, in fact, every sin that's ever occurred, every single sin without exception, selfishness. You wanted to do it. Even though the Lord said, don't do it, I'm doing it. That's selfish, right? Because the Lord says, don't do it, He's saying don't do it because he loves you. And it's like, that's going to hurt you, right? Well, I'm doing it anyway. Well, fine. We're selfish people, right? We, we do selfish things. Uh, and so, so, the, the, so does that make sense, right? Does that make sense that this woman that caused a divorce, there is a path for her to have a life after that? The church oftentimes says, you're marked for life. There is no hope for you. Why does 1 John 1 not even exist? Why, why, you know, there are, there are Christians who actually believe once they get saved, they never commit another sin. It's like, you really believe that? Oh, yeah. Just saying that is a sin, because it's a lie, right? It's a lie to sin, isn't it? There's no way you've not committed a sin. There's no way you've not been un, un, unjustly angry at somebody. There's no way that you've not told a fib. There's no way that you've not lied, or no way that you've not, you know, uh, you, you got an extra dollar in your change, you didn't tell them about it. There's no way. There's somewhere along the way that you, that you weren't unkind to your wife. There's no way. Well, she deserves it. What well, the matter? You know, you still, you know, the Bible says that, that the man should honor her as a fellow heir of a grace of life. I, that, that was in my, my wedding vows. I wrote that in my wedding vows. That I'm going to tell her that I will honor her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. And I can get, we've been married 33. I have not been perfect in that. Only one time. Okay, it was 13 years ago on a Tuesday. I was not perfect in that. Every other day of the 33 years, I've been perfect in that, right? No, that's not, I guarantee it's not true, right? She probably has a list. Yeah, it was right there, here, right here, right? Uh, but, so, ha- have, I, have I committed an infraction against her? Well, I have. But, you know, there is forgiveness. And, and I, how many times have I told you I'm sorry, honey? Uh, a lot of times, how many times have I apologized? I've apologized to my kids. Hey, what I did was wrong. Uh, and some parents, oh, I would never apologize to my kids. Well, if you're smart, you would. Because you've got to teach them if you do wrong, you've got to do right. And I've taught my kids if I do them wrong, you know, I'll, I'll apologize to them. I got no, you know, something that makes me look small. Makes you look small not doing it, I think, in my opinion, you know. But so, so this woman, surely there's a, there's a path out of this for her. Or, or she doomed for life. Right? I mean, you know, you know, we don't know the circumstances. There's no excuse, right? It's still selfish. But what if the man's just a jerk, right? What if he's just so hateful to mean to her and, and the, the guy at work is, you know, oh, you look nice today. Oh, can I sleep with you? I mean, you know, the first, first time somebody can actually is kind to her. Now, you know, you know again, is, it ever, is there ever an excuse to sin? Never an excuse to sin. But, you, you know, sometimes it's hard to be really harsh on somebody who's living in that circumstance. And they leave that circumstance. And, and yeah, they, they were the ones who, who technically committed the infraction in the marriage. But how's, how's the husband been treating her all of, all of his life? You know, the, the church for the most part, has basically said, men, you can treat your wives any way you want to, like dirt or anything, like cattle, you know. 
basically. And if you go to the Old Testament, I mean, the Old Testament, they treated women terrible. Daughters and wives, terrible. There were more than once, you know, somebody's coming to, to attack, uh, attack somebody's house. They said, hey, have my daughter. You know, uh, if you'll leave me alone, just have her. You're a terrible dad, right? That's a terrible dad. Can you imagine doing that today? Oh, yeah, you know, oh, you want me? Oh, what if you take my daughter instead? Yeah, I'll take her. Okay, you're fine. See ya. I mean, you know, and, and, and no ramifications. You know, the Lord didn't strike them dead. Now, the Lord surely is, is not pleased with that, right? But still, you know, uh, Old Testament, you just treat them however you want to. Uh, Second-class citizens or whatever and, and get away with it. Well, the problem we have in the New Testament is now, see, we don't operate by Deuteronomy 24.1. Deuteronomy 24.1, here is the, the only way you get a divorce, right? If she loses favor and she has some uncleanness in her. But now we operate by the law of love. Now, the law of love, you know, uh, if, if you were perfect in the law of love, how many times would you ever commit adultery? None. How many times would you ever be unkind to your hu- husband or wife? None, never, right? So it's the ultimate law, right? It's the easiest law. Are, are the words that I'm about to say, do they, do they line up with the law of love? Are my actions I'm fixing to do, or do they line up with the law of love? Would love do this? Would the agape love of God do this? Would the, God, the love that God so loved the world love do what I'm fixing to do or say what I'm fixing to say? If the answer is yes, then, then you know, go for it, right? If the answer is no, then, then that's your answer, whether you should do that or not. See, that makes it really easy in the New Testament. Amen? Old Testament, you know, it, was, they, it said... For some uncleanness. Well, what, do you, what does that mean? I don't know. Let's just make it mean anything. That way we're, we can do whatever we want to. Well, if you put a law that means anything, why even have a law? Right? I mean, what's, why is it in the law if it just do whatever you want to? Then there's no law. So, so we, we've got to uh, go through a, a few more things because we, we've got to get over in the New Testament. Now we're out of time today, but what we need to get in the New Testament and look at, you know, why is this even a thing? Why is marriage even a thing, right? Why did the Lord even set this up to begin with? Uh, and, and he answers it from the word of God. And so I think it's helpful for us to look at that from the word of God. Why is this even a thing? Why did he say, you know, and, and when he says marriage, why does he even mean it? Because if you look at the whole, all of humanity, God is the one who defined marriage. It, the, the humanity did not define marriage. God himself in his word defined what marriage is. It's not the state of Tennessee. It's not the government. You know, and so they can say whatever they want to. They can make marriage mean this, marriage mean that, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. It only means what the Word of God says it means. Amen? If it doesn't prescribe, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not really God marriage, right? It's, it's you know, in the world, it's whatever they want to call it, but it doesn't mean anything. It only means something in the context of what the Word of God says it is. So, well, you know, well, uh, why is this a thing? And, and what does it mean for us, right? And so I think it would be helpful just to look at that. <clears throat> um, we're about out of time there. But I, I did look at, I think I told you last week, we'll mention these statistics real quick and it will go. Uh, you know, the marriage today in, in our society is about half and half, right? Half people get, half the people get divorced. And what was the other half? The, the other half, the half die, right? <laughs> die in marriage. <laughs> so you can stay in marriage, right? I mean, you can either get divorced or stay in marriage and die, right? Uh, so that, that's, uh, that's tough right there, right? Uh, but um, uh, the, the most... Uh, the, the professions with the most uh, likely divorce, number one, dancers. I don't know who that, why that is. Bartenders, number two. Massage therapists. I mean, I can, guess I can understand that, right? Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know where they come up with these groups, right? These are very specific, right? Gaming cage workers, right? like, you, like the ultimate fighters, you know, the people who work in the cage, they're very likely to get divorced. Well, why them? I don't know, you know, but I, I didn't write this, right? So uh, the people with the lowest uh, divorce rates, farmers. 
Uh, they have, uh, uh, now, this one, is, I think, is really odd, right? Uh, podiatrists, right? And that people work on feet? Yeah, people work on feet. Yeah, I know some people are like, there's no way, right? <laughs> I divorce them. You're going to be a podiatrist? There's no way, right? You want to work on feet for the rest of your life? Yeah, there's no way, right? Uh, clergy, right? It's pretty good. Uh, the lowest people with the likelihood, likelihood to be divorced? Uh, this is a very specific group. Agricultural engineers. Because uh, farmers is already listed, right? So I, who's, I mean, just specific, not, not, you know, airplane engineers or train engineers, but specifically agriculture engineers, right? Uh, and so uh, Jews uh, divorce about 9% of the time. Catholics about 19% of the time. Uh, Born-again Christians, 33% of the time, right? Uh, and they had all, it was all kinds of Christian groups, subgroups in there, right? Uh, they had... Uh, uh, and then other non-Christian groups, you know, like Mormons and, and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, atheists, 2% uh, likely to get divorced. But that makes sense because anybody want to marry an atheist, right? They don't ever get married, right? So they get ready to get divorced, right? Uh, and so, uh, but um, uh, if you have strong religious beliefs, you've got about a 40, 14% less likelihood to be divorced. Um, but, you know, if you know what the Word of God says and you live by the Word of God, you've got a 0% chance of getting divorced. Amen? I'll never get divorced, right? And my wife, my wife will never divorce me because uh, I know the number one rule of divorce is being selfish. So I'm always looking at me. Most divorces, it's because they're looking at the other one. Well, they won't do this. And they won't do that. And they won't do this. That's why they get divorced because they're selfish, right? They're always looking at the faults of the other person. And if both persons would look at their own faults and, and work and resolve their own faults, they would never get divorced, right? Uh, because we all get to grow up, amen? Uh, you don't get married being perfect. Uh, I mean, if that was a requirement, you know, uh, I would never got married because I was already perfect and I couldn't have found anybody who was perfect like me, right? And so, um, and then of course, I've been married 33 years and I realized you know, my, my wife just never told me that I wasn't perfect, you know? I'm realizing now, you know, she could have told me, but we may not have gotten married if she said, well, I'm married, but you know you're not perfect. Really? That would have been new information, right? I didn't know that. I, I was pretty sure I was perfect when I got married. Uh, and so, so we'll, we've got to talk a little bit about that because, um, you know, see, for me, I'm not afraid that you all are going to go take this and say, he said I can divorce anytime I want to. You don't need my, you don't need my approval to do that. You're going to do that anyway. Right? If that's your thoughts, you're, you're going to do that without my help. And if you want to use me to, to give you the excuse to do that, which you're not, I mean, you all are great people, but there are people who do that all the time. They're always trying to find something that somebody says that gives them an excuse to do what they want to do anyway. And, you know, that's not going to work. You're not going to go to heaven. The Lord's going to go, why'd you do that? Well, so-and-so said it's okay. I, I didn't ask him about so-and-so. I said, why did you do that? Well, so-and-so, no. Why did you do that? He's never going to ask you about what the other person said. He's going to go, why'd you do that? I can guarantee you that. You go through all the stories, of, uh, all the, uh, all the um, uh, parables that Jesus taught, never an excuse was okay. Any excuse anybody tried to the Lord, he, I, he didn't want to hear. He'd deal with you. What did you do, right? And why did you do it? Because do you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you? doesn't matter what I say. He's always going to confirm whether or not what I say is so. And if what I say is not so, you can't use that as an excuse to go do something that you shouldn't have done anyway. Amen? Uh, and so, so we'll look at what the New Testament says because we, we, we've got to get to where we understand why is this an issue at all with the Lord? Why do you bring it up? Why do you write a law about it? What's the New Testament say about it? So that we know... You know, because it's, it's, from the Lord's perspective, it's serious, right? Divorce is a serious thing, but we need to understand why it's a serious thing to the Lord, right? And why is marriage an important thing to the Lord? 
Uh, and he tells us. And so uh, we'll, we'll pick that up next week and we'll look at that. So let's, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, for your blessing and, and goodness and kindness. And Father, we thank you that, that you do love us. And Father, even if we make uh, major mistakes in our life, Father, there is a path back. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness. We thank you for the love of God that you've shown to us. And, Father, we thank you for your word, and we choose to follow your word each and every day. And we give you the praise and the honor for Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Hopefully, uh, uh, we're all, all good, right? Well, everybody happy? <laughs> um, uh, I'm happy, you know. I've had a pretty good time today. So, um, let's get ready and receive this, this uh, morning's tithes and offerings. And... Um, and I encourage you, you know, come back uh, for next week. You know, I ain't never going back to that church. Well, fine, you know. Uh, but um, come back next week and find out uh, um, the rest of the story, right? Find out what, uh, what the Lord says about these things. Because uh, my heart is, let's find out what the Word of God says and let's do the Word. Amen? Let's live the Word. If your goal is always to live the Word, then you'll be fine, right? You'll always be okay. It's the people that are, you know, uh, uh, we'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. I, I work with a fellow... Uh, at, at a Christian camp one time and, I, and uh, we got to be pretty good friends and, and I said I said you know it seems to me like you're always looking for the, the edge of sin that you're always trying to find a loophole to get away with as much as you can uh, without being struck dead and, and some people live that way right so, what can I get away with and the Lord's not going to kill me well, I mean he's not going to kill you anyway he's not in the killing business right the devil would do that all day long but but, you know, some people just that mentality, right? I'm going to try and get away with as much as I can. And, and what they're really saying, they don't, really, they don't understand what they're saying, but what they're really saying is I want to allow my flesh to do as much as it wants to do uh, without getting in as much trouble as I can. And so that's what they want. They want to let their flesh express sin without getting in as much trouble as they possibly can. Now, and that's, that's why would you want to do that? The, the, the happiest you'll ever be, the most full of joy you'll ever be is following the Lord perfectly. If you could follow the Lord perfectly, now none of us do, but if you could follow the Lord perfectly, you'd be the happiest you'd ever be. Happiest. Full of joy, more than you could ever imagine. Above and beyond you could even imagine. Uh, amen? And, and I approach that for days and weeks and months and years at a time. It's just happy every day. Full of joy every day, right? Not sad and begrudged. You know, just, uh, we, were, we were at a family get-together yesterday, and we'll, and we'll go, and they started, you know, it's, it's oftentimes a race to the bottom, right? How do you feel? Oh, I feel bad, right? You got bad, oh, you got, oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah, I got bad, you know, I got arthritis here, and this thing's slipping here, and this one's bulging over there, you know. Uh, and and uh, my, niece was, my niece was there, and uh, uh, I said, man, I got no problems. She said, yeah, I feel great, too. We get a high five, you know. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, at least two of us were happy, you know. And I was like, oh, it's so bad. You know, you just wait, it's all going to fall off, you know. And so, I'm happy every day. Amen. Well, be blessed. Don't forget we have healing school today at 3 o'clock. And uh, we'll see you then.